Charles, the lead pastor here. Welcome to Zoom Sunday service at the river. We're so glad you could join us. Well, we are in a special season called Lent. This is a season known for fasting and prayer for six weeks leading up to Easter. It's a spiritually charged time. So we're encouraging you to use this season to pray for something you need as well as to grow in your spiritual maturity. We call this season 40 Days of Faith. To help you get more out of this season, we've sent you prayer bracelets. I love these. If you haven't received it in mail yet, please contact admin at rivernyc.org and we'll send it to you. It's free. Now, for the past few weeks, we've been covering the story of Abraham as we go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So far, we've covered how Abraham went on a journey of faith, hoping to get a child, hoping that God will move powerfully to bless him. Similar to how we are praying for God's blessings for our own lives during this season. But Abraham does not see the promised son for 25 years. How does he hang on? What do we do when we pray and pray but nothing happens for a long, long time? That's why his story is so relevant to us. Well, here's the story. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 14. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, Sarah is Abram's wife. Quick, he said, get three pounds of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he went to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? they asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. It's been 25 years since the promised son. 
So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my husband is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But the Lord said, Yes, you did laugh. This is a passage with lots of interesting lessons for us. So let's dig in. First, how Abraham interacts with these three visitors is very intriguing. The passage begins with Abraham looking up and saw three men standing by. Three men! Abraham sees three human beings. But there's something about them that seems special. So Abraham begs them to stay and eat. But then towards the end, the passage reveals it was God who was visiting. See, it says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? So clearly, God appeared to Abraham in a form that wasn't easily recognizable at first. God looked like a normal human traveler. This is something that happens multiple times in the oldest parts of the Bible. God appears to Gideon, Joshua, Jacob, Abraham, and they don't recognize God as God. Only after a while, realization dawns on them that they were talking to God. James Kugel is a professor of Old Testament at Harvard. He's a devout Orthodox Jew, reveres the Bible, and in his books, God of Old, and How to Read the Bible, he says this about the oldest passages in the Bible. The God of Old appeared to people unexpectedly. He was not sought out. Often, he was not even recognized. At first mistaken for an ordinary human being, the realm of the divine, was not as it is today, a spiritual dimension set off from the material world. The spiritual and the material overlapped, and the realm of the dead was a real domain just beyond the world of the living. Ordinary reality was in constant danger of sliding into something else, something stark but oddly familiar, and God was always standing just behind the curtain of the everyday world. Beautiful insight, isn't it? So intriguing. James Kugel says this is what set Judaism apart. It was not monotheism. There were other religions in the ancient world that worshipped one God. But this idea that God is standing just behind the veil all around us every moment of our lives and we were servants of God. That was revolutionary, he says. See, if this is true, we don't have to go to heroic lengths to get God's attention. Fasting, serving people, praying our hearts out. They do have many benefits, but please keep in mind, you don't have to manipulate God into granting your prayers. God is right there with you, ever present, just behind the veil, rooting for you. 
We stand in the presence of God in every ordinary moment. So have confidence. God is paying attention to you and your situation right now, even as you pray. Don't ever feel alone and abandoned. God is with you and God is for you. Amen. See, James Kruger says this idea that God is just behind the veil, it also gave dignity and purpose to everyone who believed because you stood in the court of God as servants of God no matter who you were. You could be a lowly day laborer, a shepherd, a baker, a carpenter. It didn't matter. In the old Bible, if you believed, and this is what set Judaism apart, according to Google, everyone stood in the court of God as servants of God, the king of the universe. See, that gives you dignity and purpose. Because you're standing in the court of God. And human beings need meaning and purpose. Something you can live for. Our souls long for transcendent purpose to our existence. Do you have meaning and purpose in life that satisfies your soul? This is something I pray for each and every one of you. That you would develop this transcendent sense of weight to your life that makes each day full of meaning and dignity so you can wake up full of hope and purpose to every day of your life. Amen. That's precious. That anchors your life. That becomes energy and fuel to your days. But a problem soon emerged within Judaism. It became too easy to become afraid of offending God. Like Sarah in this passage, Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. She didn't need to do that, but she was so afraid. You see, the flip side of the honor of standing in the court of God as a servant of the king was that every moment was a chance to mess up and offend God. That's why in the Old Testament, there are so many stern rules about what to eat, what to wear. To us, so many of these old Bible rules seem just downright silly. But think about it this way. If you stood in the court of the king, in any ancient court, there were strict rules about what to wear, how to behave in the presence of the king. It was an insult to get it wrong. You could be thrown in jail or get killed for improper clothing, improper behavior. Everything mattered because you stood in the court. So every rule in the Bible, there was a chance you misunderstood it or misapplied it. And oh gee, what if you offended God? So Judaism and Christianity became all too focused on understanding every rule right and following the Bible exactly right. Even this season of Lent, this special spiritual season became for many Christians all about the rules. What you can eat, when, fish and Fridays, oh no, you broke your fast, you messed up, you offended God, you're going to hell. 
This is so wrong on so many levels. God is not watching to punish you. God is not like an, a, an ancient Middle Eastern tyrant. No, God is rooting for you. God is not like some kind of Nazi Santa Claus keeping a list. And if you mess up, you're going to get it. No, God is kind. God loves you. God is rooting for you. Look, Abraham and Sarah, they messed up a lot too during their journey of faith. In fact, they completely lost faith in God's promises. Right? Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out, my husband is old, it's been 25 years, will I now get this pleasure? There's no faith here, right? Zero faith. And it's not just Sarah. Abraham felt this way too. In the chapter just before, Abraham says to God, Abraham fell face down, he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. There's no faith here. And the Bible tells us, faith is the thing that pleases God. That without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's very offensive to God to not trust Him. Now, who is this Ishmael? Why does Abraham bring him up? Well, because Abraham and Sarah lose their faith in God, they come up with a scheme to have a son anyway. Sarah's slave, Hagar, is forced to sleep with Abraham to bear him a son, Ishmael. When you think about it, this is just downright horrible, isn't it? To force your slave to sleep with a master to get a son? Oh, They seem so blinded by their desires that they become willing to do anything, to hurt people in their pursuit of their goals. Now I know people say this kind of thing happened at the time. This was normal at the time. I know that we can't apply our standards to their times and their culture because we are not living in their time, we don't know what the conditions are exactly right, it's not right for us to judge them in that way and be too harsh. But if we really think that way, you can justify any behavior that way. You can't do that. Slaves in America were treated horribly. Was that alright? Just because everyone did it back then? No! What is wrong is wrong. What Abraham and Sarah did was very harmful to another human being. Especially when Abraham and Sarah later on kick out Hagar and Ishmael into the desert to die. After Isaac, the promised son, is born, Abraham and Sarah become so concerned about Ishmael hurting Isaac, Ishmael and Hagar get exiled to die in the wilderness. Once Isaac is born, Ishmael goes from please bless Ishmael to he is an obstacle to Isaac. Let's kick him out to die. This is horrible. This is Abraham's son. How could he do that to his own son? Just terrible. Abraham appears to be so blinded by his obsession with Isaac, he would do anything. I'm certain God, who is love, was very 
disappointed by Abraham. The point is, Abraham was not some saint who had perfect faith and who did things right. He was just an ordinary human being just like you and me, full of flaws, and he messed up really badly at times. But God stays faithful to Abraham. It's not because Abraham was so righteous that he got his prayers answered. It's because God is so faithful, Abraham was blessed. Remember that. God is rooting for you. God is not watching for you to mess up so God can punish you. God is merciful and generous. Of course, there are consequences to Abraham's horrible behavior. This obsessive focus on Isaac that blinded him to suffering he inflicted on other people, this caused problems for Abraham and Isaac. I believe this is one big reason why God insisted that Abraham give up Isaac. I do not believe that sacrifice was demanded by God because God wanted to punish Abraham. God wanted Abraham to grow let go of his maniacal obsession about Isaac. I was not going to let Isaac be killed. Abraham is not punished. That was never God's intention. God wanted Abraham to be able to let go of his obsession over Isaac so that everyone can live healthier lives. This shows God was always on Abraham's side. God just wanted Abraham to grow as a human being so everyone can benefit. This is a great lesson for us because we too can become obsessive. As we pray for miracles, as we pray for blessings from God, we too can get overly obsessed and end up hurting ourselves and others. It's not healthy to get so focused on how can I get God to move for me? How hard can I pray? How much fasting can I take? Just remember, God is already rooting for you. You don't have to twist God's arms. And as if that's possible to begin with, God will do what God will do. You see, what is encouraging about the story of Abraham is that he grows as a human being. He becomes willing to risk his own life to help others as seen when he fights an army to rescue Lot, his nephew. Which is a contrast to how he sold his wife off in a lie to protect himself. Abraham goes from being a complete coward to being brave. He becomes willing to let go of Isaac. That shows some maturity. He grew as a person. So the story of Abraham shows us the journey of faith is not just about getting your prayers answered. It's about growing as a human being. Our prayers and our faith often do start with praying for a selfish need. But it yields so much more along the way. Isn't that great? That's why we are asking you to pray for something you need. That's how we start. But this season is not all about just getting our prayers answered. I want us to know the way of God. I want us to have that dignity and purpose and transcendent meaning in life. 
and I want us to grow as a human being that knows how to love unconditionally. I want us to know the God of old. God who is just behind the veil. God who walks with us every day, loving us unconditionally, giving us purpose, guidance, meaning, and help and companionship. May your life become transcendent, meaningful in every way without the fear of messing up, free to enjoy the unconditional love of God, enjoying each moment of your life full of hope. Amen. Now, please join us for our Zoom Sunday discussions at 11.45 or in one of our weekly Zoom groups. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so I hope you can join us over Zoom. God bless you, everyone. Bye.